0: Your podcast starts after this quick message from Clear. The average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for allergens and germs to get in your nose and body and wreak havoc. That is, unless you regularly clean your nose and sinuses. So for healthy breathing and a strong body, use Clear nasal spray. Clear is a natural nasal spray featuring xylitol, an ingredient clinically proven to work against bacteria and effectively clean not just rinse your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. In fact, in a recent study, researchers found that xylitol nasal sprays like Clear are just as effective as leading medicated nasal sprays. For better breathing, get Clear today. That's spelled X-L-E-A-R. You can find it at all major retailers, CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, Sprouts, Whole Foods, and everywhere else.
1: This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Well, hello there, mindful listeners. Thank you once again, as always, for spending part of your day with us. This is an amazing show, like hopefully all of the segments. And once again, I'm just going to start out with saying, you know, I love putting out evergreen content. So you can go to the podcast list and just click on it and... You're going to find something valuable at any time of the year, any year, any day, any week, any month. But right now we are in a pandemic situation. We have been for a couple months and we're it's looking like this is going to be our trajectory will be somewhat similar to the times we're living in right now. And today I've got a guest that's going to talk about mental health care for parents under pandemic lockdown. And I think this is such an important piece of content. So parents, listen up. We've got Amy Edgar. She is a nurse practitioner and founder, CEO, and principal investigator of Children's Integrative Center for Success. Amy, let's talk about it.
2: Great. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. I have to tell you, so I work in an integrative clinic. So I'm a naturopathic doctor, but I support um, four MDs, a pediatrician, an infectious disease doctor, Two internal medicine doctors, and I support all of their panels in this clinic from a naturopathic perspective. So, of course, we are a skeleton crew in the office, and of course, most of us are working from home. Here's what I see. The pediatrician has two kids, six and eight, and so we huddle clinically at nine o'clock and also then at three o'clock, and every single day, and I see the the exhaustion on her face. One of the boys will come in, and she has to put herself on mute, she has to take care of what's going on. Uh, there's There has been broken windows from uh, rambunctious <laughs> kids that want to be outside. <laughs> and, um, and and it's funny because it's like, hey, working from home, not too bad, right? Not, don't have to fight traffic. Don't have to go to the office. Not there is traffic. But I see her actually wanting to come into the office, like wanting to get away from the home situation. So this is real stuff going on, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. And... Um, given my patient population, the families that I'm working with, um, I've been trending, uh, with, with, uh, all the clinicians in my practice kind of response, parent response from the beginning. So, you know, very much, uh, has a pattern, uh, beginning with that first week, which felt a little bit like holiday. So everybody right. was in their pajamas and nobody really knew what was going to happen. And there was a very low demand and, um, interestingly enough, all of the, my kids loved it. They loved having their parents home. They loved uh, being out of routine and no demand. And so there was this kind of honeymoon period in the beginning that was lovely. And um, I'd say about week three, when, you know, the, the plans for work started, you know, working remotely started to solidify and there was uh, some movement towards school at home um, yeah. that's when I started to see the stress really pick up. Um, and I will say that it's only, you know, gotten worse across time. So, uh, I had a conversation with a dad yesterday and he said, you know, in the beginning, it was great. I loved being home. I could see, see my family more and, um, everything felt really comfortable. And now I find that all of my neighbors seem to be cutting their grass or using a saw <laughs> and it's driving yeah. me crazy, <laughs> so yeah you know, exactly, yes, it wears over time,
1: yeah, so what are you seeing? I mean, so you know, I think we've got two things that i I feel are important because I see it in both the parents' mental health and what they're going through because of the pandemic and the lockdown and the stay at home or safer at home orders, and then the children, I guess as well like so what are you seeing clinically in your practice now
2: um The, uh, so I'll start with the kids and, uh, it's so interesting. Again, we're tracking all these trends to, uh, to be able to take a look back and, and do some thinking about restructure of systems. Um, kids are very happy for the most part at home, um, and, uh, feeling good about the amount of time, increased time that they're spending with their, their parents, um, which, you know, was not something that I necessarily uh, pr- would have predicted or expected. Um, the demands of cyber learning. Some kids are really doing, you know, shining stars in that world. Um, and others are really lost and struggling. So, you know, it's not a one size fits all scenario when um, we're talking about doing school or work uh, virtually or remotely. Um, the really the climbing levels of stress that i'm seeing right now in in children um is related to the frustration of boredom and the lack of contact with their peers you know they've at first it was amazing to be able to play Fortnite with their friends for four hours at a shot and nobody told them to stop and now they're they're actually bored with Fortnite, which is something i never imagined i'd hear um So they're running out of options to stay connected or feel connected and, uh, you know, things to do. So I think that is starting to become a a more significant stressor. Um, Also a lot of the rituals of summer. So the end of the school year um, picnic or field day or graduation or, you know, all the ceremonies that that happen in the spring are not happening and especially older kids, the kids who are moving from middle school to high school or high school graduations or even graduations from college. Um, there, you know, none of that is happening and there is, uh, by and large, uh, for the most part, I'll say, um, you know, all of, all of the kids that I'm working with and, uh, adolescents and young adults,
1: uh, have some sense of grief about that. Um, whether it's, you oh, know i didn't, Amy, i didn't get t- <laughs> let me tell you something i my niece just loved going to college she loved her her work she knew exactly what she wanted to do sports management and mm-hmm. she has been devastated because she could not walk in that ceremonial symbolic finishing of graduation i mean it has colored her world and i get it right i get it i mean i don't even think i walked in i'm like ah I'm done. I'm out. Right. Let's go. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but she was right. looking forward to that, as you said, and the—I mean—the—the the loss, the grief of that was really, really tough for her and mm-hmm. real. Yes.
2: Yeah. And you know, it's—it's it's the graduation ceremony. It's also uh, my. It just happens that both of my daughters were set to graduate this year—one from high school and one from college. And for my daughter, who uh, was set to graduate from college, they went out on spring break and just never came back. So it's not just not walking at graduation; it's that she has never really had the opportunity to say goodbye to her her friends of four years, to um, really, you know, say goodbye to the city that she's lived in for four years, to have that experience of. Saying goodbye and celebrating, I think, is really important, and they've missed out on all of that. So, so I'm starting to see more and more, uh, you know, maybe not full-on clinical depression, but certainly, you know, situational uh, depression, sadness, anxiety, and stress over it.
1: Sure, yeah, and it's real. So what are some of the tips? What's some advice that you can help? Because both children and I would say parents, because you know, it, it's almost like I was talking to the pediatrician I work with. It's like even though the pediatric folks, the young children um or young you know young adults are her patients, you know the whole family system is the patient, right? It's almost like when you go to see a vet with your dog, the vet takes care of not only the dog, the vet has to manage the owners as well. It's like, it's all together. (laughs) And of course, if parents are getting stressed during this time, it's gonna affect the children. If children are getting stressed during this time, it's gonna affect the parents. And so give us some tips and tricks on how to get through this. Because, you know, we just had stay- at home orders sort of extended through, uh, not two, but through July. So we're looking at a couple more months. And then what we're seeing is perhaps, you know, six to eight more months of some sort of distancing to help contain um, this, this virus and help save lives. So, you know, there's, I think there's unknown, there's fear, uh, there's impatience that are starting to creep up. What can folks do? It's a great question
2: that we continually uh, ask ourselves as a clinical team and revisit with our families. Um, so, one of the things that uh, I think is really important and uh, sounds very simple but is sometimes hard to pull off is the idea of sticking with a schedule, creating a schedule and really sticking with it. So. Routine uh, is really helpful for kids, especially younger children. Um, you know, knowing what to expect, when to expect it. It's also helpful for adolescents. Um, and so, a schedule of some kind that the family's agreed to is really important.
1: Um, with that in mind, I, I think that. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm. I'm sorry. I could not agree more. You know, I was one of those kids that. I could have been missing for four days and my parents probably wouldn't have noticed. I didn't have a curfew. I didn't have any boundaries. And I think I suffered from it. I think it's containing and and safer when you know what to expect, when there are boundaries and containment. That's so important. Such a great point. Well, and
2: you know, the, the other side of that is that no one's schedule fits all right so uh, the schedule that you create for a six-year-old is going to be really different than the schedule that you create for a 16 year old so parents probably for the first time uh, working parents for the first time are having to think about multiple schedules managing them at home across the day and um, you know that can be that can be challenging so from the parent side really trying to create a a schedule, a general rhythm for the family, Um, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, however you organize it, Um, and then some uh, individualized accommodations to that schedule. So letting the 16-year-old get up at 10 versus having them get up at 7.30. Um, and, and I'm not saying that that's the schedule that works for everyone. It's an example of how you might think differently about each individual in the family and what they need. Um, and so to optimize kind of the response and uh, the, the the decrease in stress, um, you know, it's, a, it's an amazing moment in time that we can let a 16-year-old sleep till 10 o'clock on a school day. And get up in, you know, kind of the normal circadian rhythm of teenagers. <laughs> and that's not, a, that's not a bad thing. That actually is, is helpful for them. Um, at the same time, they can't stay up till 3 or 4 in the morning because that's not good either. So it's really, you know, a general schedule for the family and rhythm. And then, you know, working with each kid where they're at developmentally uh, about what works for them. Um, the other thing that I've seen is that in the really uh, increased demand on parents, if parents are working from home and and also with their kids all day, um, the stress that they experience is. Uh, re- I'm I'm very concerned about that. For most of my families, that is a rising level of stress that is not sustainable across time. So we're going to have to figure something out um in terms of what we're doing right now or what what we're recommending right now is the ability to schedule time with the kids that is just about the kids Mm. so right so parents have this sense of like oh my gosh I'm with my kids all the time they have more of my time and attention than they ever have and it's not you know it's distracted it's uh, diluted attention. It's around other things and kids feel that. So a really successful intervention, um, that we're we're recommending is schedule 30 minutes of time with your kid. That's just about your kid and do it for each one in the family, not two kids. Like you can do sibling activities and things like that, but each child needs their own time. And we've seen that be very successful in decreasing both the stress for the kid Um, And for the parent, Uh, the child's much more redirectable in the times when the parent needs to be focused on work if they know that they're going to have that dedicated time, you know, a scheduled time during the day.
1: Uh, That makes so much sense. So it sounds like, you know, allowing kids to be contained by knowing what to expect, that they get their attention from their parents, that they know what the schedule is, what the routine is that can help just uh, almost subtly just calm them down in general and then you know everybody is working remotely for the most part um what about uh i i call it telehealth i think for you telepsychiatry is it effective and is it available for folks to actually sit down on a computer and have contact with somebody that could be therapeutically helpful during a time like this um so, uh, first of
2: all, I I'm we call it virtual care. Um, it's not virtual through, care. It started as you know through a telephone or, um, but we're we're really be well beyond that. We're in the world of virtual care. We have remote monitoring. I'm collecting data um, from uh, self-tracking devices. Like it's we're we're deploying interventions that are uh, you know computer based. Uh, and digital. So it, it, we're well beyond telly. It's, it's virtual care. And, um, right. I, ha- we've been working in that manner for the last five years, um, you know, it, in an augmentative kind of way. So, in at my practice, uh, we have families who come from very far away, uh, and, um, you know, an hour, an hour and a half drive to get to the practice for a 30 minute visit is, ridiculous and, sure. um, causes high levels of stress for everybody and does not produce optimal outcomes. So there are situations where we, um, we're already, you know, using virtual care, um, to decrease stress on families. What we've seen in, uh, so we converted 4,000 families to full virtual care, remote care, um, in three days. And we did that because, Uh, it was, it was so efficient and easy because we had already been doing it. We've been planning on it for a long time. Um, What we're finding is that uh, there are significantly increased uh, satisfaction scores uh, in terms of uh, the experience. So our families by and large uh, really rate the virtual care highly. Um, And they cite things like, you know, it was, uh, I, I can work this into my schedule in my life in a way that's so much more convenient um, than, you know, having to drive and lose two hours of time. Um, yeah. The kids, it's so interesting. The kids rate it highly as well because they love the medium, you know, they're native to this medium. And so I have had much um, more productive and uh, insightful conversations with kids in their room, you know, in the place in their home where they are the most comfortable, um, and feel, uh, you know, it's just different. They're not in my office. We try really hard to create a space where they're comfortable. Um, and you know, I, I think we do okay. I think we do a good job of that, but there's something really different about the kid being in their own space that is, um, incredibly productive and helpful from a therapeutic perspective. So, and that's even with yes. little kids, little kids love to show us their stuff, their toys, their room. you know it's it's a reciprocal uh, knowing uh, you know that is not necessarily what's well, not true at all in an office setting. So,
1: that's been really great. Yeah, you know, it's you know, silver lining, let's talk about that. I mean, I think for the environment and for shifting how we do things, it's gonna happen, right? I consult for a company that has headquarters in Ottawa, Canada, and also they have a huge head headquarter in uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. And the CEO and the president started scratching their head about a month ago and was like, why are we paying this huge amount in? You know, rent and in mortgages, it's right. like we right. could go remotely, and then look at the the trickle effect for the environment and also for the stress levels of driving and being in traffic. So, yes, mm-hmm. off topic, but silver lining. So, <laughs> last question for you. Um, uh-huh. Look, so I I, I started the top of the show with with uh, the example of the pediatrician that I work with, and I, I'm concerned about her just because of the stress that I see. What do parents need to recognize when they themselves actually need help?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some really uh, specific signs that we teach families to look for in terms of rising stress levels. So um, I would say you know increased irritability and not just situational, but you know irritability across the the day. Things that used to not bother them now really bother them. So my example of the dad who at first didn't hear the neighbors with the saws and the lawnmowers, and now it's all he can hear. Um, that's a, a you know sign of increased irritability um, and central nervous system activation. Uh, so I think that's important. Um, disruption in sleep is another one. Um, so the uh, you know classic kind of scenario is having trouble falling asleep because you're thinking about all the things that happened during the day or didn't get done during the day or the things that you're worried about. Um, and then interrupted sleep. So, you know, coming to a lighter sleep state and waking up and not being able to fall back asleep. So I think the disruption of of sleep is a, a really important early sign. Um, And that's really what I'm pointing to are the kind of earliest signs of uh, something that could potentially turn into a a bigger issue. And if you recognize the earliest signs and intervene there, you can often prevent that bigger, bigger problem. So, um, you know, the, the sense of uh, not finding anything across the day that really makes you happy or feels good. So um, you know, recognizing that you've just gone through five or six days and you can't point to one thing that made you laugh or really, um, you know, feel good. And so, you know, with each one of these things, uh, it, there are specific interventions and it's personalized. So, you know, if if you are, and, and this is something that uh, we use. Uh, at my practice to help people really understand themselves. So we do DNA testing and there are genes that actually predict your response to exercise. Um, There are genes that predict uh, the impact of supplements and how that could be helpful. Um, And so, you know, understanding yourself and what works for you is really important and then deploying those interventions. So if you're not sleeping well, uh, and you know that exercise is even more beneficial for you than others. You know, you're, it's good for your brain in a way that it's not for everybody. Finding a way to do that exercise is going to be really important and helpful. Um, and so I think those are the uh, earliest signs and some of the, the
1: possible interventions. And so that's a, that's an important piece for those parents to understand that they might need some help because if they take care of themselves, they can take care of their children better. And the whole family unit is happier and safer and healthier for it. So thank you so much for all of your work. I'm just going to shout out your website to everybody. It's everychildeverytime.com. Lovely. Just how that's spelled. Um, Thanks for being there for everybody. I know you're busy in this time and um, I really appreciate your knowledge. And for you listeners, once again, thanks for being here and I'll see you next time.